The planet is heating up. The oceans are becoming filled with plastic. Change starts now. Change starts now. We're on a countdown to zero waste. Five, four, three, two, one. This is the Zero Waste Countdown Podcast. Here's your host, Laura Nash. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Zero Waste Countdown Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Nash. According to Rita Kant from Punjab University in India, historical records show that clothing was dyed with vegetables, fruits, flowers, insects, even fish for at least the last 5,500 years. Synthetic dyes were discovered in 1856, and today over 8,000 chemicals are used in textile manufacture. As you can probably imagine, some of these chemicals can be terrible for both our health and the environment. This episode features a company that's gone back to original dyeing techniques used for thousands of years, but has been nearly forgotten in our chemical era. All the way from Los Angeles, California, we're speaking with Kat Quigley, the founder of clothing company Sustain. Their tagline is clothing that's good for your body and the world. Kat, thank you so much for coming on our show today. Thank you so much for having me. So when did you start Sustain? Well, the initial inkling of the idea, I guess, started in around 2015 when I was uh, pregnant with my son. You know, I've always been very health conscious. And when I was pregnant with him, I became even more so and started really looking at absolutely everything that touched my skin. And you you start with lotions and deodorants and stuff. And then it finally just hit me. What about my clothes? And so I started doing a lot of research. And once you just start down that rabbit hole, it is crazy the amount of information that you find about just how terrible this stuff is for your skin. So I started thinking, hey, you know what, maybe I'll just start making my own clothes. And then I started building up a following on Instagram where I was posting all of my natural dye experiments and all the clothes I was making. And then one thing led to another and Sustain got born. What are your products made out of? Well, all the fabrics and threads that we use are organic cotton or linen. One of our main things is we want no petroleum-based products in our clothing. We want our clothing to be basically 100% compostable, 100% natural. So all organic natural fibers and all natural dyes. So all of our dyes, as you mentioned in your intro, all of our dyes are, most of them are plants, fruits, leaves, branches, even some roots. Um, And then we do have a couple things that are dyed with bugs. They're basically like little scale insects. They're very, very tiny. Usually actually the kind of bugs that grow on crops that usually people kill with insecticides. In the past, people found out that these insects, instead of killing them, they would harvest them before harvesting the plants to eat. And so they take the bugs and they make beautiful dyes. Most of the most beautiful pinks and fuchsias come from insects. So I know there are some mollusks that um, were used for purple. And that's why purple was so expensive, because you only got a very little purple dye out of these little mollusks. Oh, I didn't know um, purple was, was special. Because yeah. we always think of purple with royalty, like from hundreds of years ago. So maybe that's why, because it was so expensive. Yeah, that's exactly why, because it was so hard to get this. And then when the Spaniards came over to Mexico, they found this tree, which has got a really stupid name. It's called logwood. But <laughs> this tree makes a beautiful purple dye. And so that drove down the cost of purple and made it much more readily available to the populace. And so the royalty weren't very happy about that because it diluted their purple color. I can imagine. How do you get dyes out of trees? You know, most natural dyes 
to extract them, it's basically like making tea. You take the plant parts. If you can grind them up into smaller pieces, it helps get more dye out. And then you put them in hot water. There's different temperatures depending on different dyes. Like, for instance, we dye with marigolds, and you literally just take the flowers from marigolds, and you put them in hot water, and they steep, and the color diffuses into the water. You remove the flowers, and then you have your dye bath. For production purposes, we usually do that process, get the dye bath, and then they'll dehydrate it. So it's basically all the water evaporates, and then you just get the powdered dye extract. Mm-hmm. So that way we have a little bit more control over the dye, and you don't have to worry about getting out pieces of plants out of your clothing. And that probably would make it a lot cheaper for shipping. So if you're not transporting all that liquid, if you're purchasing a dye, you can purchase the powder and it would be a lot better for the environment. Yeah, you can just purchase that and you don't have to worry about shipping entire plants. You can just purchase a little tiny portion. Mm -hmm. And then you use pomegranates as well, I saw on your website. Yeah, another one of the great things about natural dyes is you can use a lot of food waste. So we use not the fruits, but the peels. So um, pomegranate peels and actually avocado peels make beautiful colors. Pomegranate's kind of like a buttery yellow that you can, if you use different minerals, it can change it to beautiful shades of gray. Avocado peels actually make pink, really pretty color pink. That's not what I would expect at all (laughs) from an avocado. Yeah, and so you get some really beautiful colors out of food waste. And I would love it if the industry continues to grow, if we can make partnerships with places like Whole Foods where we could take over their food waste from making guacamole or making pomegranate juice and use that to make dyes so that we can make less waste overall. Exactly. That's amazing. And then once you use the peels, I'm sure there would just be like, you know, maybe some soggy pieces left or something, and then that would go to compost? Yeah, basically. When we're using the peels, we'll usually put it into, grind it up into a fine powder, and then you can just take that liquid. And most natural dyers just use that same liquid to water their fields. So it is a completely closed-loop system where the water from dyeing is used to water the fields that grow the dye plants. Oh my goodness. That's amazing. And what a difference because that paper I mentioned in the beginning by Rita Kant, she was mentioning some of the environmental impacts that chemical dyes have. And when they're put into the river and then sometimes they get on farmers fields. So for example, in the springtime, like rivers will flood and it's usually really good for a field to flood because then you're putting back minerals and and things into the field. But when there's chemicals in there, it actually hardens the soil so much that it just doesn't make the soil good anymore, basically. People get so caught up on the innovation of it. And if you go back, and it was such a huge advent when they created these synthetic dyes because it made everything so much cheaper. But I mean, I guess hindsight's always twenty twenty. But when you look back, it's just the amount of environmental damage that's caused by this is just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. It's hard to believe that it would be cheaper than food scraps. We have to pay <laughs> to get rid of food scraps now. That is true. Yeah. It does require more land. and I mean, you have to grow plants. And so the the turnover time is a lot longer. I mean, I don't know the time from taking crude oil, how long it takes to turn crude oil into all the dyes that we have. But, I mean, you have to wait entire seasons to grow plants at some point. So, And you have to have a lot of land to do it. Mm-hmm. Which I know some people say that that's a problem. But to me, every time we grow plants, we're removing carbon dioxide from the air. Because that's, that's what plants do. So exactly. if you, when I go through and calculate the carbon footprint of all my clothing... Because we're using plants for both the fabric and the dyes, we're removing more carbon dioxide from the air than the manufacturing process creates. So we have a carbon negative system going on. So we're better for the environment than 
than not yeah, existing. Then, it's like you're better, yeah. you're better for the environment to exist than to not exist as a company, which I don't think a whole lot of companies can say. So that's just fantastic. And cool. you have some designation because your cotton is the best cotton you can grow basically in terms of environmental standards. What is the, I guess it was a certification? Yeah, so the certification is called DOS. It stands for Global Organic Textile Standard. And basically it is, yeah, it is the highest standard you could get for organic. They look at every single step of the production of cotton and linen too, because our linen is also certified by DOS, to make sure that the growing, the processing into threads, the processing into fabric, that every single step meets their standards, both for environmental impact and for ethics. Uh, making sure that everyone in the supply chain gets paid fair wages and has safe working conditions. That's incredible. That's something that we forget. You know, we get this shirt and it's cheap and it's colorful and then you don't really think about its backstory, right? So it's really cool that you're you're doing this. And I even read on your website that you're really down to like the last thread, so to speak. So even the thread that you use to sew comes from this this sustainable certification. Yeah, I'm really picky. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. Thank you for being picky because you're you're fixing <laughs> some serious problems that we have. And I think that you're going to lead the way for others. Is this a big thing in LA? I mean, I think that LA from a Canadian standpoint would sort of be known for fashion. Is this like a big thing where people are on the sustainable clothing movement there? Sustainable clothing is definitely growing. There's a lot more companies cropping up that are trying to be sustainable, which I really appreciate. But I think it's just like when the organic food market started happening. Some companies are using it as marketing and some companies are actually doing the right thing. And sometimes it's hard to differentiate. Mm -hmm. So you have to be kind of picky. And I mean, it's the same thing when you're buying food. Some things say that they're, you know, healthy for you. But when you read the ingredients, they're like, oh, this has organic sugar, but it's half organic sugar. So it's sort of healthy, but it's really not that healthy. I think in most industries, there's a bit of greenwashing. So people are using it to sell their products. But then you look at something and it's really not nearly as ethical, as I say, because they're only pushing one ethical component, where as you're saying, you know, you're down to the thread, which I really (laughs) think is really neat. Because I've thought about that too. I went to a craft store here, I thought, you know what, I'm going to knit a face mask for my son, because it was minus like 20 Celsius here most of the winter. You know, I don't want plastic and these chemicals and dyes and whatever on his face where he's like breathing. And so I went to get some yarn and it was made overseas. It was clearly dyed with something that I had no idea what. So I don't even think that me hand making a scarf or a face mask from yarn is going to help the situation at all. So I actually had to do some research and find a farm, (laughs) like a sheep farm (laughs) in Canada, and get them to send out these special spools that actually weren't dyed. Like, and it was the only place I could find it. It was crazy, you know, and you don't really think about these things until you do. And then it's quite alarming. I know. I had the same thing when I was first started doing all this research about clothing. And I was looking to just see what was out there and see if I could find anything that was good for you. And what really surprised me was like, okay, I'm going to go buy an organic shirt and it's just going to be white because then it'll be fine. Mm -hmm. But what I found out was that it might not be dyed, but they still bleach it with these really intense chlorine bleaches. And then they coat it with optical whiteners, which are petroleum based and fabric softeners. So even just a plain white organic shirt still had chemicals in it. It's crazy. It's so crazy. What is the difference between cotton and linen? I mean, they're just two different plants. So cotton is from a cotton plant where they come with the little cotton balls that grow. Uh, Linen is a flax plant, so the same plant that 
flax seeds and linseed oil come from. Linen is actually one of the best fabrics. It is a very hardy plant. It doesn't really need a lot of pesticides, but conventional linen still uses a fair amount of pesticides, but just less than conventional cotton. And it uses very little water relative to cotton. So that's a big win. So I'm a huge fan of linen. Why is it that there's so many pesticides that are needed for cotton? Because your, your cotton is sustainable and ethical. So, you know, why are some companies using so many pesticides? Like, do they need to be using that or are there alternative methods? It's basically the same situation we have with agriculture. If you're going to grow a very, very large monoculture of only cotton that takes up acres and acres and acres, you're going to attract a lot of bugs. And so in those kind of situations, a lot of the crop is going to get destroyed unless you use some sort of pesticide and also herbicides to get short of weeds there. But for organic farming, basically they have crop rotation. They rotate in their cotton plants or in the case of dye plants, they do this as well, where they rotate in different plants to prevent lots of bugs from appearing. You have to do a lot more physical maintenance mm-hmm. where you have to prune weeds and everything kind of more manually than you would than just spraying with a bunch of chemicals. So it is a little more intensive a process, but then you don't have a lot of chemicals. I mean, a lot of the stories that I've read about farmers who do organic farming is they're just, they were getting sick because of all the chemicals they were using. And so they switched over to organic because it was worth it for them to do a little bit more work. Plus they made more money selling it Mm -hmm. um, and they weren't sick all the time. It's quite frightening what they're into and exposing themselves to. I watched a program one time about some Amish farmers who were saying that they don't use any chemicals and they said that the wasps will also come and take a lot of those little pests away. That's what they like to eat. And I thought, oh my goodness, how many neighbors have I had who put out wasp traps in the city. We have this huge cultural fear of any sort of bee or wasp, but we're now finding out they have an important role and we probably shouldn't be trapping them and and killing them. Yeah, that's definitely true. There's a lot of, I mean, for organic farming, they do use beneficial insects too to help police. I mean, I have a a small garden in my yard too, and we use ladybugs. Ladybugs are amazing. They always eat all the aphids and everything off the plants. They're great. Absolutely. Yeah. Whenever we see a ladybug, we, like my son, he's six and he runs over and he's like a ladybug and picks it (laughs) up. And then we put it in whatever garden we have or plant or whatever. So (laughs) we're always looking for those. I don't want to get too much down the road of GMOs, but sometimes that is what scientists are trying to do is saying, you know, if you have a tomato plant and a potato plant and the potato is resistant to this bug that is eating the tomato plants if they can get whatever is making that potato plant resistant into the tomato plant then all of a sudden you don't have to deal with the pesticides but GMOs are like a whole other can of worms but sometimes that's sort of like the goal but so we know that your process is ethical and you're doing everything the right way which is really awesome but I'm wondering how much you know about the other side of it in terms of the other industry so when we go to any store and we buy clothes how are they being dyed normally? I mean there's a couple different types of dyes the most common type of traditional dye first off as an overall All traditional dyes are based on petroleum. Pretty much across the entire market, every single dye that you find in clothing is from petroleum because all dyes are synthetic right now. The majority of those dyes are something called acid dyes, and the largest part of acid dyes is made up by a group of dyes called AZO dyes, which I'm sure you've heard of. They've gotten a lot of bad press lately. AZO dyes are about 60 to 70% of all dyes that are currently used right now. 
And there's been multiple, multiple studies that have come out showing that they cause cancer. They're really not good for you. Not to mention, for acid dyes, which is actually pretty similar to natural dyes, only about 50% of the dye attaches to the fabric, and then 50% goes out with the wastewater. For natural dyes, it's fine because that wastewater, like I said, is just used to irrigate because it's just plant matter. But for acid dyes, when you wash out 50% of the dye, that's why you have in India rivers that are literally running red and why you're coming across the problem you mentioned, which is why during flooding, that, those chemicals are just washing up into people's farmlands and destroying them. And it gets into our food and then, you know, it's probably going to make people sick or at least eventually and accumulatively it's yeah, awful. They're not good for you. Not to mention that in order to make these AZO dyes work, you have to use a bunch of other chemicals in the dye process as well to help make sure that they stick. And then they add brighteners and leaches and stuff have to happen first. And then brighteners after you dye it and additional chemical fabric softeners because you're basically dyeing with a bunch of plastic. So you need it to be softer to make it comparable to what people would expect. Like you said, there's over 8,000 different types of chemicals that are used in this process. And most of them are used in the processing of it and the dyeing of the fabric. Other people are using chemicals, but then they need other chemicals to balance out those chemicals. And then they need more chemicals to complement those chemicals. And it's just like chemical, chemical, chemical. And then you were doing this process that, you know, we've been using for thousands of years, which is like, just use some flowers or just (laughs) use some fruit, you know. It just seems so much better. And now we we have done all this research and we know the best dye plants to use because we have access to what all different societies are doing all over the world. So we get to pick and choose the best ones. And not to mention that some dye plants work better when you mix them with other plants. So we get the ability to take all these different plants and figure out the best combinations to make the best natural dyes. So we can use our knowledge of this entire wealth of history since like 2000 BC when they started using these dyes to really optimize natural dyes to make them work really well we don't need to rely on synthetic dyes no and that's the power of the internet like some people complain about the internet you know is ruining us all and it's not at all it's bringing us all together and it's creating this web and we're getting all these ideas together to do the right thing and this is a great example of that i was reading that paper by Rita Kant and she was saying that a lot of the chemicals because they don't biodegrade when they go into water and they sit there then the plants underneath can't photosynthesize and so they can't create oxygen and then like everything just dies. I think that some of us have seen those pictures of overseas rivers dying different colors and it just seems so horrible. We've been using all of these synthetic chemicals for a hundred years but we have no studies about the long-term effects because everyone just started using them and it's only now when it's become so prevalent that the effects are extraordinary that we're finding out that oh acrylic clothing leaves tons of microparticles all over the beach and these synthetic dyes are destroying all of our aquatic life and yeah and hurting our health as well yeah i think one part of the story is moving forward what can we do to to put an end to the pollution that's being currently made which i think you know natural dyes plays a huge role in but then once once we have that installed which we're not even close to yet we still have to figure out how to get everything that's already in the environment out again in a way that doesn't hurt the life that's currently there. Mm-hmm. So not only do we have this big cleanup effort to do, but we have to also stop everything that's just hurtling like a freight train forward in this really bad direction. And then we have to find these alternate ways, which is exactly what you're doing. When you were doing your, your research for this, were you doing a lot of trial and error or was it more like research? It was 
it was a combination of both. When I first started out, I found out that there's actually a, a fairly large underground natural dyers community, which I became a part of. There's a good amount actually up in Canada. I don't know if you've ever heard of Maiwa, but it's in Vancouver, and they run tons of different workshops and learning how to do natural dyes yourself. M-A-I-W-A. And there's another place called Botanical Colors in Seattle, and there's a couple places around here. There's Graham Keegan. I've taken classes from him. He's a local in L.A. who does a lot of screen printing and print work with natural dyes. So I started, once I started getting into it, I started running into people in this community, and they're amazing people. And everybody is so open and willing to share. We have black groups that post back and forth different information on what works and what doesn't work. And we're all working for a common goal. We're all working to try to, to make this industry better and to make it spread the word and education about it. And everyone's just so amazing. So that's, that's really been huge. And there are some really great textbooks in this area, too, that sum up basically everything, all the different dyes and how they've been used all over the world for thousands of years. So it's a lot of research. I feel like I've learned quite a bit in the last couple of years. Incredibly interesting. It is. It's super interesting. Oh, that's so cool. And you, were, you mentioned that screen printing can be done naturally. Yeah, I've actually just started working on a couple things. I don't know if you've ever seen my our Instagram for Sustain, but we just posted a couple things. I've done one screen print. It's a picture of a walnut, and it says written with walnuts because it's written with walnuts. <laughs> And then there's another one that's uh, this red plant that's the, been used ever since ancient Egypt. It's called matter root. And so there's a picture of a matter root plant and it's dyed with matter root. I think those are just great ways to, these screen prints are just great ways to show people and express that you're supporting a natural dye community. Absolutely. So, so is it possible, you know how children have those screen prints of their favorite cartoon characters or whatever? Like, is that level of screen printing possible? Yes and no. So, yes, I made for my son, we, we painted a little dinosaur on a shirt, and mm. I made him a Charlie Brown shirt. Oh, that's so cute. So you can do that kind of stuff. I mean, we'd always have to get the licenses from the big companies. That is definitely possible currently on a small scale. But because people haven't done this kind of stuff with natural dyes before, we would still have to figure out how to integrate it into current systems or modify systems that currently exist to work with natural dyes because they don't quite work the same way as synthetic dyes in the process. Mm -hmm. So it's like anything. When you're changing the industry, we just need to figure out the techniques to make it work. Right, because I think that screen printing at this point would be all computerized and more like a modern printer. You're totally right. Most screen printing is either done, well, there's a couple different kinds. Some of the smaller scale screen printing is done with photoemulsion chemicals, which are basically like you take a silhouette of what you want to screen print and then you put it in the sun and then a chemical reacts in the sunlight that basically doesn't allow the dye to adhere other than to where the sun didn't touch. Basically, it's a very chemically enhanced process mm -hmm. that we don't want to do with natural dyes. There's also digital printing, which is where I think, which is more like what you're talking about, where they take really tiny droplets of chemicals and basically print them onto a shirt. The dye chemicals for natural dyes, I think, are, are a little larger than what we use for synthetic dyes. So we would have to modify that a little bit. So it is possible. And there are many places that do printing with natural dyes, but it's currently all done by wood block print by hand or by screen printing by hand. So we would just have to figure out a way to mechanize it to make it work on a larger scale. Yeah, And that's exactly. kind of one of my company's goals is to try to 
make this more mainstream so that we can build up that industry. If there's enough of a drive for this kind of clothing, then that will push it forward because companies will realize there's demand for it and then they'll start working out ways to make it happen. Do you think that it would be possible to do everything in America? So right from planting the cotton in the ground and harvesting it sustainably and then processing it into fabric and dyeing it, like, do you think that one day that will all be possible right in your area? Absolutely. Currently, our fabric is sourced internationally just because I was a little unaware. I couldn't find any organic cotton growers. Now I'm a little deeper in the industry. There are organic cotton growers in the U.S. You can buy organic fabric. There's actually a great program in California called the Fiber Shed Program, who I love, that are working to do what's called climate beneficial cloth, uh, where they actually calculate based on the growing of either cotton or wool sheep grazing on the land. Sheep actually do help with pruning the grass and then they fertilize the land and they can actually be really beneficial to the soil composition and fixing carbon because when you eat a plant, it has a tendency to grow faster. So they're doing this whole process where they're working on creating fibers that are beneficial locally. And so in a nutshell, to your question, yes, I think there are industries that are building in the U.S. to get all of our fiber locally and make it locally. And all of my manufacturing, um, once I have the fabric, is made in L.A. And all of the dyeing happens locally as well for our shirts and stuff. Our textile industry in Canada has just really went down the tubes in the last 30 years or so. How can we bring all of these things back and how do we get workers to want to work in these jobs? And it's expensive. Like in our province, we just upped the minimum wage to $14 an hour. There's all these challenges of starting these companies and getting things back here when it's so much cheaper to just have it brought in overseas. But then you have this huge environmental cost that's not factored in. And so we sort of need to get away from that. I wanted to ask you about your clothes. So these natural dyes, are they fading over time? Like, are they kind of strong? How do they last? Just like synthetic dyes, natural dyes will fade a little bit over time. But if you care for them well, they can last a really long time. If you've ever been to a museum and ever seen anything colored that came before 1860, it was made with natural dyes. I saw this flag recently that was from U.S. flag. It was from the 1700s. And it was like a deep navy blue with stars and bright white and then a beautiful red lines and it was strong as day strong as any new flag so if you care for your clothing it can last a really long time it can still outlast you what we suggest is that you and which honestly you should probably do with all your clothes anyway because when you're washing them you should wash them on a gentle cycle if possible because for organic clothing and for naturally dyed clothing it helps reduce the amount of stress on it and keeps the color lasting longer for synthetic clothing and help reduce the amount of microparticles that are being released from the fabric. Exactly. Um, And then for natural dyed clothing, same thing with drying. We usually tumble dry on low or hang dry, also eco-friendly to hang dry to save energy, and then store it in a dark place when you're not wearing it. I mean, these are probably things most people do anyway or a very minor change from what people do anyway. They don't run in the wash, and if they fade over time, it can be minor as long as you take care of them well. Mm-hmm. Well, I find any clothes that I've bought in the last like five or 10 years, most of it has faded significantly. And it's with all of those synthetic like petroleum based colors. And yeah. the material has gotten so thin. A certain brand from the US I actually find gets like little holes in them in the shirts and stuff. So we need to have that quality come back. Like we need to have yeah. 
quality material, quality dyes, because we're just sending so many items of clothing to landfill because they're just not lasting. And I went thrift shopping yesterday and I found some really cool finds, but I was also finding the brands are from Walmart and Old Navy. And we're not seeing those old, really good clothes made from like the 1960s or whatever so much on that secondhand market. We're seeing clothing that's been made cheaply. And I feel like even for that secondhand market, which is really good for the world, we need clothing like yours because if I buy a shirt and then, you know, I'm done with it in 10 years, like I need a good quality shirt to put in the secondhand store, you know, or we're not going to have any quality in the secondhand store. So I do think that there is a good place for good quality new clothes as well as the thrift market. One of my mantras is buy less, buy better. We Mm -hmm. need to definitely be making better quality clothes. I mean, I'm the same way I shop at thrift stores because it's eco-friendly. And also I, I always hunt through the natural, like white clothing so that I can dye them. Oh, that's so cool. Um, I've run into the same thing. Most of the clothes that we find there now are like from H&M or these fast fashion clothing that does not last very long and falls apart. We really have to change our buying habits. We really need to mm-hmm. get back to buying higher quality clothing that lasts. Totally agree. Do you have plans for the future for Sustain to grow or are you working on like a new product line or what's your vision for the future for Sustain? I mean, I have so many ideas for things that I want to do, and practicality always keeps you limited to one thing at a time. But yes, we're planning on releasing, like I said, we're working on the, the screen printed, the printed with plants series. We have the written with walnuts, we have the matter root, I'm also doing an indigo, inked with indigo, and then a, a logwood, which is a purple color, as we mentioned a little earlier. So we're working on that. I do have plans in the line for a pair of jean shorts made out of naturally dyed denim which I'm super thrilled about. But yeah, and we do already have a bunch of stuff that all came out within the last year that's all on our website as well right now. So I'm hoping to to continue to grow the business. I mean, the main thing that we're focused on right now is just education because that's the hardest thing is just getting the word out to people to explain how bad the problem is and how we can help, how every purchase can help push us towards a more sustainable fashion industry. Absolutely. So if someone wants to purchase something from Sustain, I would say that we would go to your website? Yeah, the website's Sustain by Cat K-A-T. Thank you so much. This has been really cool. And I'm so happy that you're doing this. We're going to change the world. Yes, yes, we are. This week on my Countdown to Zero Waste, I purchased a pair of shorts from Sustain that are certified organic cotton and dyed naturally using natural sources such as turmeric and cinnamon. Kat also created a coupon code for us, so at the checkout on sustainbycat.com, you can use the discount code ZEROWASTE with no spaces to save an extra 15%. Change starts now. This is the Zero Waste Countdown Podcast.